And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The Deep Dish Sports Guys are back here again following a big-time Bears win last night. Um, joined here by Ryan Skinner and Jerry McMaster. So, uh, how you guys doing? Doing great. Da Bears. Da Bears is right. That was uh, a hell of a performance last night. We'll, we'll obviously touch on that quite a bit. Um, probably get into the Bulls and Blackhawks a little bit at some point and then uh, throw you the, the typical couple of segments that we have. Uh, maybe throw something new in there, uh, depending on the time, but um, I think it's pretty obvious, and, and rightfully so. The Bears have to be the focal point here, so we might as well lead off with that. I mean, the best performance by a defense in the NFL this year, right? Like, pretty much no contest there. I think that's a fair assessment, especially one talks about how amazing this Rams offense is, and rightfully so. They've been stellar. I mean, they looked inept. They looked like they were lost. They looked like they didn't want to be be there. I mean, that's just a suffocating D and took the absolute life out of them. Um, I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, the Bears defense has been pretty damn good all year, but I haven't seen anything like that against that good of a team. And that was my biggest question mark, as I've talked about a few times, is can they stand up to a good team? And they really, really did. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, how about what they did to Gurley? I mean, Gurley, what he finished with, like 23 yards or something like that? And under 70 total yards, I think. Maybe it was closer to 50. But, uh, I mean, Sean McVay was lost. He had no idea what to do. I mean, golf was terrible. And, I mean, it, it was it was pretty impressive to watch just how they continued to make plays from the, from the start of the game all the way to the finish. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is we've seen the flashes, you know, the, the Khalil Mack first half against the Packers, really his first two or three games as a whole. Um you know, they, they had a pretty good first half against the Dolphins and then forgot how to tackle in the second half. Um, weren't able to corral uh, Saquon late in the game last week. So, like, we've seen the, the big-time flashes and the playmaking ability of the defense, and we know that they can play as well as they did last night. But last night, I think, in my opinion at least, is the first time we've seen them, like you said, Skinner, go from – the opening kickoff all the way to the final whistle where, you know, it was a 15 to six game. That's not by any means a blowout on the scoreboard, but that game was never out of control. The bears dominated that from start to finish and it was all the defense is doing. So that, that was the biggest thing for me is that they were able to do it from start to finish against that high quality. I was more confident last night. I know Chase Daniel was at the helm, but I was more confident last night watching that against top three team in the league um that game i felt like there wasn't a mishap coming you know versus the, the lions or giants i was very unconfident in those games but yesterday i mean it was just my mentality was what's the next big play the bears is going to make and they every time someone stood someone's up to the occasion and made that huge play right i i mean there was seven or eight guys that made a huge play last night and i mean watching the last six to seven weeks i think and especially last night you saw it, I think that there's three, maybe four guys that could potentially be all pros on that defense. And, and they um, have one at each level, which is the right. biggest thing. So, like, exactly. obviously Khalil is the face Khalil. and the biggest name, but you have Akeem Hicks that's right up there as well on the front line. Then you have uh, Trevathan and Roquan both playing really well, flying all over. And then you got uh, – like you said, Fuller, Fuller and, and Eddie Ballhawk on the back end. So exactly. they have they have big time playmaking ability at every level, which is something that I don't know if any other defense besides maybe the Ravens can really uh, say that they have across the league. But just the numbers that were produced last night uh, are staggering. I mean, coming into the game, the Rams were averaging almost 500 yards of offense a game, averaging like 35 points a game. They'd only been held under. 30 points one time all year and they come away with the two measly field goals last night. Uh, granted it could have been nine points with the additional field goal if uh, they hadn't pulled a Cody Parkey there, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was a dominating performance uh, being there uh, was unbelievable. I was there sitting ninth row in the uh, South end zone and I, I've never heard that building as loud as it was. It was an absolute madhouse. Uh, everybody brought the energy and, and it was just, it was a sight to see for sure. Skinner, want to hear a secret? Yeah, let's hear it. He might punch me, but 
uh, Dre texted me today, and he goes, "Kyle Fuller slowly but surely becoming one of my favorite players on the team." <laughs> I wish we could. I wish we could clip that recording from week one or whatever. All the shit he was saying. Yeah. I, I will own that, and I'm extremely happy that I was wrong. Um, you know, th- that week one against the Packers, that drop, I'm never going to completely forget about that, as I think a lot of Bears fans can agree. But he's constantly putting himself in the position to make plays. And unlike last year, I heard the number today on the radio, his catch percentage last year on balls that he should have caught was something like 10% or less. So it was miserable last year. So my hatred wasn't completely off base. But this year he's making plays anytime that the ball is thrown his way. That, I mean, that interception that he had last night was not an easy play by any means to get to the ball. Yeah, he, did, Jared he made an awesome read on it. Yeah, he made a great read. Jared stared him down, but he made a play. He had to cover a lot of ground, and then just getting his hands on the ball would have been enough to break it up. But, you know, he went the extra mile and, and was able to hold on. So right. I will I will own being wrong on that one, and I'm very happy that I am up to this point. He's got, it's almost kind of nice when you're, like, when you're like happy you're wrong yeah. about something you, you enjoy or like, like the Bears being actually good this year. Yeah, but uh, – it was uh, it was a wild atmosphere. The uh, the PA announcer really brought the energy like I've never heard before. Uh, constantly telling people to get up. I, I didn't sit the whole time. Um, I know the whole lower bowl was standing the entire time. Um, I don't know if the you know the higher upper decks were standing the whole time. Uh, from what I could see, the people like leaning over the the ledges were all standing pretty much the whole time. So it was a it was a very lively atmosphere, and I think it, that did get to the Rams. I mean, not to take anything away from the defense, you know, the, the 11 guys on the field, but the Rams just looked out of sorts from the start. I mean, every time the play stopped, they were all going to put the coats on right away. They, they just looked uncomfortable. Um, I don't know if saying that they're soft in the cold weather is, is fair, but I know they had their issues playing in Denver. I think they fumbled four or five times earlier in the year. So maybe this is a team that just really doesn't know how to handle uh, a little bit of not perfect weather like that they're used to out there. But um, it, it was definitely they were out of their element. It, it showed pretty obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, the, the offense, I mean, that's something that has to be touched on. It was not pretty. You know that they've won one side few, of the ball. Yeah, they, they've played. They've had. They've won a few games that were not pretty, and this one definitely falls under that category. Um, I don't know if we can chalk up Trubisky as being a little bit rusty after you know almost three weeks off since he last played, but you know, e- either way, it just it, it it didn't look good, and there's got to be some concern there. I think in terms of being able to put drives together and the, the thing is it's there's been a few games where obviously this team is defense heavy but it what the offense wasn't even unless the defense plays how it did last night it wasn't even you know okay Trubisky was good enough like how he's been a few times this year where the defense primarily cares him but Trubisky still had an impact I they mean won in spite of him last night right I mean he was just missing really bad throws and it's kind of expected but I don't know it was a little disappointing to see that said, I want to be positive here in that interior lineman um, with the backup, Witzman and uh, James Daniels, rookie, and then Cody White here, who's solid as they get. Tremendous job against two top-notch, and I don't know how many rushing – you know stat check how many rushing yards they had yesterday, but I know Jordan Howard had over 100, didn't he? Howard and Cohen combined for 170, and then Mitch had his 20 or 30, so they almost had 200 yards right. um, rushing, which for them this year is – it's got to be far and away the most they've had, I think. Um, so, you know, seeing the running game getting going was really, really nice to see. Skinner, you know, back to Mitch just a little bit. Do you Are you chalking it up more as just being rusty? Because it wasn't like he was pressured a ton. Like Jerry said, the offensive line did a pretty good job, I thought. was Is it rust that was leading him to miss those throws, or was he just, you know, happy feet? What, what do you think the issue was last night? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I talked about this a little bit at – uh, start of the year this is you, we gotta remember this is a kid that's pretty much a rookie still and that's a big atmosphere for him to play in it's Sunday night football against the team with the best record in the league I don't know if they're the best team in the league but they're the best record and I mean like you explained it's cold out and the stadium was electric so I think that's a huge thing I don't want I mean at some point you got to figure it out and you got to be able to play in those big games but um, he's a rookie, so in my eyes, so I think that plays into it. 
Um, I will admit that I am a little worried about Mitch still because I still haven't felt like confident in any one drive that like the Bears are going to score. Maybe besides that Buccaneers game, I haven't like the drive hadn't, didn't start, and I was like, "We'll be fine. We're going to score here." Um, and I think that's because Mitch's play is so up and down and sporadic. But I definitely need to see some consistency out of the guy. Yeah, and I, I, I think it was you, Drayless, who said this. Was it's pretty safe to say he's not a a bust. You cannot label him as a bust, but it's hard to be confident that he's the quote unquote answer. I'm still always stuck in limbo. It's it's like two steps forward, one step back with him. I feel like this year. Um, so I don't know. I, like I said, it could be two weeks off, cold weather, but love to see improvement next week. Obviously against biggest rival. And I don't disagree with what anything really that you said, Skinner. You know the atmosphere is is loud. It wasn't great weather, but you know he should be used to that, having played all of last year. And then this year so far in Chicago, it's not like he, you know, just got here from a warm weather place. And then if the atmosphere is too big for him, I mean, at home that I I can't see that as being an issue where it shouldn't be. Um, You know, if the atmosphere and the stage is too big, I mean, I don't know if we, if there's much reason to have faith in him next week, I mean, potentially division clinching game against the biggest rival you have, is it going to be too big for him again? Um, you know, I don't expect him to be thrown for 350, three touchdowns and no turnovers every week, but I, I don't want us to fall into a scenario where we're accepting of the fact or accepting of the possibility that maybe he is overwhelmed by the scenario because that would be a pretty bad situation to be in considering the defense should be getting them into some pretty big games here later in the year. You would hate to see Trubisky be the reason that they can't at least contend in those games because I mean, if he, if he was average last night, they win that game by 20 or maybe 30 mm-hmm. points. Right. Uh, and and I agree. And here's the one thing I'm going to say. And I mean, I don't want to keep making excuses for him. That's not what I'm going to do, but I will say that I said at the start of the year that I'm going to give him this whole year to figure it out. I agree with that. And now, now because the defense is so good, it's sped everything up. So Mitch has got to speed up. Mitch has got to be this much better. I mean, we're expecting him to be that much better. And yesterday was, like, horrendous. He looked terrible. And he's had a couple games where he's not has, hasn't been good, not as bad as he was last night. But um, I, I will say that I, I did say that I'll give him the whole year. And he's coming off an injury, coming back into a big game in the cold. Um, I, I was more saying I'm hoping that might have been it. Like, he, he was a little rusty coming into a big game and, I, I want to see more out of him, obviously, but I did say I'd give him the whole year, and next year is going to be my, like, critical, critical, critical year. I, I agree giving him the whole year to, like, give kind of, like, the overall assessment, but I need to I, I need to start seeing, because these games are going to mean more and they have a big impact on what the team can be and the type of run they can make, right. I need to see at least, you know, an average level of competency. Like, if he comes out next week, uh, with the Packers in town and does the same thing, I- I'm going to be extremely nervous at that point. Like, cause this defense is going to keep you in the game with everybody. Like everyone's like, Oh, I don't know if you can go down and beat the saints. This defense can travel. I think that defense can keep you in the game where maybe if you score 25 or 26 points, you can win. Right. Trubisky no, with the offensive weapons around him needs to be able to do that more times than not. So hopefully he bounces back on Sunday. Um, I think something that can help and go a long way. Um, and making him a lot more uh, confident is the running game. And that's something that we saw, like we mentioned a little bit, it was a perfect combination of the thunder and lightning that they like to say of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Um, I mean, just, you know, pounding uh, Trubisky, pounding Howard right up the middle and then uh, letting Cohen try to get to the outside, which is something that I feel like they kind of had backwards for a few weeks there. They were trying to let Cohen go up the middle, which didn't make much sense to me. Uh, but it was nice to see both of those guys get going at the same time. And if the offensive line can get into a little bit of, of a groove run blocking, it should make everything a little a little bit easier for Mitchell moving forward. Yeah, I feel you there. Um, the uh, kind of, I guess, you know, we talked about the offense a little bit being, at least Mitchell being a little bit of a question mark. The, the other couple of things that, you know, maybe didn't go as perfect as we would have liked, and I know Jerry has some thoughts on this, 
is you know, where are we at with Nagy overall? Um, you know, that, that touchdown pass that they had, the one touchdown of the game going to a backup offensive lineman, it's great when it works, but if that pass had fallen incomplete or been dropped or, God forbid, picked off, you know, we're, we're here saying that that's getting too cute and it's just, you know, not, not just going for something that should be a lot more stable. Uh, what, where are we at with him on the overall play calling, his development and growth as his first year moves on? I mean, overall, I think he was a great find and props to Brian Pace um, for finding him. And I'm happy he's here, but I, I mean, does he have a normal – He ran yesterday. Is there, in my opinion, there's a play when you're on the two yard line to do a, a scramble right. You're cutting the field in half for the defense, making it so much easier to defend. And he's done that a few times now. And I, I, I don't mind these fun, cute plays with uh, five defensive linemen and five offensive linemen, you know, whatever. It's, it's cool to watch. But I want to see that when they're up two scores. I don't want to see that when it's a one score game. Um, and they did this earlier where they threw to this, uh, soul guy and it did not work out. It was a horrible play. And I don't know. I was not a fan of it personally. I'm glad it, obviously I'm glad it worked. I'm happy it worked. I don't mean to be a negative Nancy, but let's stick to the bread and butter here. Let's get that Jordan Howard guy going downhill up the middle. He did it all last night. Give him a chance. He gets too cute around the goal line sometimes, I think. And cute in general. And so, like I said, I wouldn't, I don't want anybody else in there, but I'm not, so I'm still not super confident in Nagy um, at all times of all games. I don't know about you, what you guys think or what I might be being, you know, Debbie Downer here about him at times makes me a little confused. Um, what, do you, what do you got I, I, on that skin? Are you, you all for the, the play calling and kind of intricate designs down there by the goal line or where, where's your confidence um, level at in terms of the play calling? I think like mixing it in there is nice because it throws the defense for a loop and they have no idea what's going to come. So, I mean, like, with that, it, it looked like they were going to hand it to Hicks again like they did the previous week, and you have all these other defensive players. I think Bullard was on the field, too. Um, I like that occasionally. If you run it enough in practice and you're that confident that it works or that Hicks can get in every time you hand him the ball at the two-yard line because he's impossible to take down, fine. I get what Jerry's saying and that it's – I mean, you got to get Howard going because they haven't got Howard going. And I've been preaching the cold weather is going to be where Howard takes over, and he had 100 yards yesterday. So Yeah. Um, you know, like Jerry said, the uh, – you know, maybe try to go a little more traditional or the bread and butter uh, of the type of goal line plays. I've, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that maybe what we're seeing – from Nagy down there by the goal line, maybe that is his bread and butter. Like maybe that's just what we're going to see. And he, he has that creative bone to him. Um, you know, I won't be surprised if they run that same kind of uh, pattern or that same package out there with Hicks. And I, I don't know if you guys remember the play a few years ago where Don Terry Poe, like threw a little jump pass. I won't be surprised if they do something like that, or he has another wrinkle for it in the next couple weeks. Because what I think what he's doing here is he's putting all these different things on film for people to see and try to prepare for. He's not going to go out and run that same play again exactly. There's going to be wrinkles. There's going to be different kind of looks or pre-snap uh, motions and things like that. And that just might be what we see down there if he doesn't have the confidence that they can run block for just a straight halfback dive. Um, you know, it is a little bit uneasy at times and, and unnerving to see whether or not it's going to work out or if it's going to end up going 99 yards the other way. But I've seen enough in terms of the creativity from him so far to kind of trust that and, and just hope that Mitchell has the, the ability and the decision-making to, to not screw it up where if he's rolling out and that play is not there, throw it into the fifth row. Don't force it like you did the first time they tried that play a few weeks back. Yeah. So um, I, I would say my confidence level in, in Nagy as a play caller is pretty high, and, and we'll just have to see how he continues to develop and the, the things he can develop as we move forward. 
but yeah, so all in all, it was a uh, real big win, another win in prime time on Sunday night against a really quality opponent. I uh, got two of those now with the Vikings and the Rams. Obviously, the Rams being one of the best teams in the league. Um, pretty much, in my opinion, at least vaulted themselves into at least the conversation of Super Bowl contenders. Uh, not necessarily a favorite by any means, but at least in the conversation for sure. And um, that kind of leads us into this coming week where if what's going on on Monday Night Football holds up and the, the Seahawks are able to beat the Vikings. The Bears are looking at a game at Soldier Field against the Green Bay Packers as the opportunity to lock up the NFC North. Uh, what do you, what do you guys have in mind for this upcoming week? Obviously the Packers have a lot of change that they've undergone in the last week or so. Um, do we think this is where the bears can finally, uh, finally, finally take down the ghost that is the Green Bay Packers uh, or is Aaron Rodgers going to get them again? Um, I think that I'm still super nervous about this game. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still their quarterback and that's really the whole reason behind that feeling for me and I think this team was a team that needed a little change of pace and change of scenery as far as their coaching schemes and they looked really good this week so I think this definitely could be the, the week that we get by the Packers but they still have Aaron Rodgers and I'm still very nervous I I agree with you to a point, Skinner, where you're never super confident. Prayer number twelve is lined up on the other side, um, but so about this Bears team, they play with the, the confidence that nobody's too good for them. Blah blah blah. blah. They got um, swag. They yeah they do, and they're just a very very different team in the past you know years. Right. Um, not like 2013 where I was, you know, shaking my boots going to that game. I really had no confidence. I'm confident this week, honestly. Um, I think the Bears do pull it out. It's the first time I've said that with confidence in a long time, since like 2006. Um, and then, I mean, let's be real here, guys. The only threat we really have to worry about in Green Bay is number 85, that tight end they got. Uh, Forget his name. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is all good and everything. You know, people who know me know that I am actually very serious about the fact that he's really good. Um, but 85 might uh, might cause Eddie Jackson some trouble back there. We'll have to see if he can get himself open on another Aaron Rodgers scramble. But um, I'm I hope maybe, Rob, I hope Rob I'm, never hears these. <laughs> he's, not, he's not listening. Don't worry. Um, I'm I'm extremely confident about this week. Um, borderline to the point where I'm concerned that maybe I'm too confident. And the reason being for the level of confidence that I have is they had them right where they wanted them week one. And that was first week of a new coach, first week of an offensive system with like 85% new pieces um, and a defense that was just trying to figure itself out. Khalil Mack with no training camp, Roquan with no training camp, all those different things. And they had the Packers, one Kyle Fuller interception away from a win. And, you know, they've only gotten better. The, the Packers have, you know, a little bit of a mess, at least, you know, for, for their standards and what I've expected from them as an organization, a pretty big mess on their hands over the last few weeks. Um, so I'm really confident that the Bears come out and kind of finish the job from back in week one. And I'm looking at somewhere around, right around like maybe 38 or uh, 31 to like 17 or something around there. Uh, pretty sound win. Um, but for that to happen, they're going to have to have a better production and a better game from Mitchell and the passing game. If they can get the running game going like they did, that's going to help. But if you turn the ball over three or four times against the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is going to find a way to put it in the end zone after that. And all of a sudden you're playing catch up and that's not going to go well. Yeah. So I think the bears pulled out, but um, as a Chicago sport focused podcast, we can't just talk about the highs. It's getting some lows, fellas. Skinner, uh, I'm going to pass it over to you. There's play this play around the west side of town. Yeah, we're in west side of town. Skinner, what's going on with the Bulls, man? It's happening recently, and the play and the front office. Give us a lowdown. Um, I mean, it starts from the top, man. Uh, and it starts from Reinsdorf and whoever's making the decisions up there. I don't know – how many coaches have they gone through? Five now? Cartwright, Skiles, Thibodeau, Hoiberg, four at least. 
Oh, there's I, one other one in there that I can't remember. Yeah, you're um, missing somebody. I don't know. I can was. see him, and I can't remember his name. He had a big head of, like, real thick, dark Vin, black Vinny hair. Del Negro. Vinny, Vinny Del, Del Negro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, so how how – what GM in what sport gets to go through five head coaches? I don't know. And, I mean – And that, that just blows my mind that, I mean – I feel bad, like, and, and this is like my whole argument. When you look at like why LeBron didn't come here, why they couldn't sign a free agent, why Jimmy acted the way he did, why there was always so much issue. Like, I mean, there there's something wrong up top. And the cult- I don't I don't disagree. I and, mean, and the culture I don't know if it has ever been good. Even when they were that good with Thibodeau and Rose's MVP year, I think Derrick Rose was that good that year that 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 happened and yeah they play defense and whatever joe joe's unreal but i don't know if the culture has ever been good and i'd have trouble being convinced that it was yeah there's i mean they it's not even about the product on court at this point in terms of like whether they should win or lose games for the betterment of the next few years now you have the guys calling the players association representatives complaining about how hard practice is or that they're being treated unfairly, um, you know, trying to decide whether or not they're even going to show up for practice or just like bail on the coaching staff. Like th- these are issues that, you know, this isn't just personality from a few guys. This isn't just a couple of bad apples. Like maybe Jimmy was at the end of his time here. Like there are some, very deeply rooted issues like you said i think that go straight to the top of the organization i mean what does it say like jim boylan's been here for how many years if he was really a guy that you had any faith that could be the long-term head coach why didn't you just give him the job instead of bringing fred hoiberg here like let fred stay and be the mayor of ames iowa like (laughs) coach his iowa state basketball team to the ncaa tournament every other year like why if this guy was already in the room and was already there and you had this level of confidence in him, you, you don't go bring somebody in from the outside, which tells me that this whole Jim Boylan thing is either an act or it's like a very poorly orchestrated stopgap. And, and I don't know if one of those is better than the other. Yeah. And, and before you say, get to it, uh, Jerry, um, I, I don't know. Like I, I want them to lose because I want them to get draft picks. But our high draft picks, but I just don't have any faith that they're gonna make the right moves. Even if you get a Zion or an RJ Barrett or the Nasir Little from UNC, I don't have any faith that they surround these guys with a good veteran. Because why would any veteran want to come play here outside of a guy like Rolo or Justin Holiday who's never been able to latch on anywhere? I mean, who wants to come play in this organization right now? I, I mean, we thought this was gonna be proved with with Lowry and. Levine and Don and these young guys, and you're going to prove, and there's going to be an attractive destination. But who wants to who wants to play for the Bulls right now? Nobody. Yeah. And Skinner, that kind of brings me to my two points here that I want to make is all this off court and front office and people. I don't want to practice, even though we just lost by 56. And coach <laughs> works us too hard. Like I'm worried about all this off-court stuff is going to affect what we as Bulls fans want this year. And that's we're not winning the finals. We're not going to the playoffs. We want to see improvement um, from the young guys and really see that take them stri- those strides and see Wendell Carter grow into his game a little better. And Lori really polished it up a li- um, more this year. Um, but kind of a point you just made, and, I mean, prove me wrong, and I'm, I'll be happy to prove wrong, Everyone wants to lose and get a draft pick. When's the last person since LeBron James that has been drafted and made a team an, an immediate contender and, um, you know, made them win a championship? I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. Um, and that's what I meant is, like, you, you get that one or two – number one or number two pick, and you bring in one of those top guys from Duke or whatever, but you still need to attract a free agent here and a veteran because they're still pieces away from – I mean, it's hard It's hard for Lowry, Wendell, Levine, um, and then whoever this new guy is, whoever they get in the draft, to be that, that good without that veteran presence and that veteran stud. Whether – I mean, I don't know who – 
who, who's a free agent next year, whether it's Anthony Davis or whoever they're able to get. But they need another piece, and I don't trust anyone in the front office to bring in someone that's going to make that difference. So it all, it all kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, they don't – okay, the star player doesn't see any improvement from these young guys. Why would I want to go play there? I'm, I want to win. I don't even think no. it's. I don't even think it's the product on the floor though. Like Zach's already proven that he can score at will. Lowry, I think, is a great, good stretch four. He's versatile. I mean, Dunn's a bulldog. I mean, depending on who you are, you probably want to play with the bulldog point guard. Wendell's shown a little bit of promise, but that's not the issue. It's the issue is who wants to play for GMs that they don't trust. There's a rumor yeah. that came out that um, during uh, I can't. There's like the, 2012-13 playoff run, maybe maybe it's 14-15. Anyways, there's a rumor that came out that they asked some of the players asked the owners to not let Foreman travel with the team because they didn't trust him. Like it was to that extent that they thought this dude was like a snake always. So I mean, how do you how do you hear some something like that and see all of these horrible trades and all these coaches go bad and stale and not get rid of your GM. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, we keep saying that, that they won the Jimmy Butler trade. And I think at this point, that's pretty much all but a, a concluded fact that, yeah, they did, you know, they won that trade and the Wendell Carter pick at least so far is looking like he's going to at least be a serviceable piece on a team that could be a contender. He might not be your second or third best piece, but he's a, a very solid player uh, who looks like he could get, you know, significantly better down the line. So, like, my issue is a few of their more recent moves look like they might pan out. And to me, that's just, you know, continuing uh, the, the bad cycle. It's kind of elongating the, the, the issues that they have where I don't see any real change happening until those guys are gone. But the way that the Reinsdorfs run things is – it's like a family. I mean, I, I may have said this on a podcast previously. Um, the White Sox took forever to get um, their previous GM. Kenny Williams. Games me. Kenny Williams. They, they took forever to get him out. And he had done really well. Obviously got him the World Series in 05. But the several years after that, everything started to go downhill. And he wasn't, pretty, he wasn't putting together quality teams. And they let him, in my opinion, overstay his welcome. And it's because they run things like a family and they don't like to get rid of people. Right. And, and, and like John Paxson, like John Paxson could have ridden off into the sunset, never paid for another drink or meal in the city of Chicago after his shot in the finals in whatever year that was, 94 or five. So, but here he is and he's now back in the fold as part of the organization as one of the biggest decision makers. And I feel like that's looked upon as, oh, well, we can't treat him poorly because of what he was able to do and the, the piece that he was for those teams that won championships. That, that's not going to do you any good now. And the the opportunity to contend in the East, I think, is coming up here in the next three or four years. There's a couple of teams that are really good, but beyond that, it's pretty wide open. And if they don't start making moves that are significant now, you miss that opportunity, and we're here five or six years later, and we're starting a rebuild completely over. Right, and and I think there was so many warning signs throughout these, especially these last eight years, I'll say. Um, I mean, they were so close. I know Rose got hurt eventually, but they were so close to being that, I mean, a, con- a consistent contender. And, oh, they were. I mean, the, but the, they were the, always that Rose got hurt. But they and were, then that, they were always one piece away, though. There was always one piece away. And shooters. Were they though? Because like that, they were they were one LeBron fadeaway three off the glass from being three one up, and they would have gone to the finals that year. Like wh- whether they would have won it or not, who's to say? But yeah, you know, they did put together some quality teams there that probably had just as good of a chance as not to make it to the finals. And there was just some poor luck involved there, and then also just running into a guy like LeBron time and time again. But I mean, that's what five or six years ago now, and it's it's only gone downhill since then. Right, but but like the point was more that they had money to spend always, and they never went and got like an impact player. I mean, who was their biggest free agent signing? Pau Gasol. Right, and <laughs> in, in, in an old Pau Gasol. Like, yeah. And Gasol, he, <laughs> yeah, right. Gasol made two All Star teams. 
Now, I mean, he was I mean, a solid Gasol's going to be a Hall of Famer, but right. at that time that they got him, he was not in the top tier of guys exactly. that, that other teams were going after. They weren't in a bidding war for him with the other teams. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. I personally think nothing is going to change significantly until they get new guys in the seats that are currently uh, taken up by Gar Pax. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, the only real way that I see any sort of being a real contender with them there is you get really lucky on a draft pick that a guy comes in and is a huge impact player. And, you know, maybe you find some guy who's really good friends with one of the impending big name free agents. But you know, those things are so far fetched that I really just don't see any of that coming because what we're going to end up seeing is Anthony Davis is going to become a free agent. And I would be very shocked if he even considers coming to the, to the bulls. And this is his hometown. Like that says a lot. If he won't even consider coming back here to play in the United center for the bulls, that that's just, that it just kind of shows the depths to where they're at right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, it's not much better. It's not much better for the other team in the United center either, which I don't really have a whole lot uh, to talk about with them. Um, I'm I'm going to the winter classic here in a few weeks. And I'm just hoping by that point that they're not the worst team in hockey. I don't know if that's uh, possible or not, but I mean, every time I get the alert that, that a game started, it's like I can't even put my phone down fast enough before the other team scored their first goal. Like yeah. they're they're constantly putting themselves down one or two goals within the first ten minutes, and I don't care what team you are. If you do that consistently, it's going to be hard to win. Yeah, no, they're last place in all of hockey. They are. They've won. This is crazy. They've won three games since November first. When did they fire Q? I forget when. I think end of October. So maybe Colleton has two or three wins. Yeah, honestly, and I, I feel bad for the guy. But so they are the worst team in hockey right now. They give up 17 goals in the first two minutes every game, and um, it's a lot know, of goals. <laughs> it's just not looking good for them. And I'd Stan Bowman, I think, is a huge issue. But I read something to be positive. My little blurb on the Hawks here. I read that um, the spirits are still really high. The team is still together. And um, they still practice really hard, and they don't sulk too long after games. And I think that's something to be said about the core. Those core guys we grew up and loved, um, Duncan Keith, Johnny Taze, Patrick Kane, Seabrook, all those guys know how to carry themselves. They're professionals. They're veterans. Um, Obviously, they've been at the highest of highs, and now they're at the lowest of lows, and that shows a lot about them Um, and, you know, the true spirit they bring to the Blackhawks. But other than that, I mean, that's about the only positive thing I can say about the team right now. They're – so bad, hard to watch. Um, they're getting their butts whooped every single night they go out there. So, who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh, the, the United Center is a pretty dark time these days uh, in <laughs> Chicago. We're, we're... Two last-place teams. <laughs> Dead last-place yeah, teams. We're keeping, we're keeping the focus out on the lakefront for now. <laughs> Things are a little more positive out there with the uh, club dub and everything going on at Soldier Field. Um the Cubs, you know, winter meetings just got underway day two. Not a whole lot of action yet. Just some minor signings around the league. We will obviously uh, probably end up having to have an emergency podcast when the Cubs do go out and sign Bryce Harper. Uh, still kind of holding out hope for that. Um, but just some sort of big move or, you know, some strategic, uh, you know, combination of moves from Theo is kind of what I'm expecting here in the next few weeks. But pretty quiet on that front. So, we will uh, we'll obviously make sure that we continue to uh, follow that and, and we'll have some thoughts on it when anything does happen. But I guess we can kind of move into the couple of closing segments here. Um, we'll uh, we'll stay on the downer side and finish on a positive note. So we'll go with the uh, the dingus of the week first off here. Uh, Skinner, who do you got? Um, I've been debating throughout our show who I'm going to run with. And uh, our Bulls conversation just got me. too fired up so i'm gonna go with the bulls ownership um the jags defense i'm gonna give you some slack and let you slide this week but you're brutal too but i'm gonna go with the bulls ownership um i mean the going through five gms and or not five gms five coaches letting the gm go through five wish they had gone through five gms um that just blows my mind and i guess it shouldn't blow my mind because he does he did the same thing with the white Sox. 
they had their success and it's just consistent trouble since then. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bulls ownership. That's, that's what I'm going to rock with. Figure it out. I think that one's pretty well-deserved. Jerry, yeah, can you follow that up? Uh, yeah, I don't, I gotta, I, I'll admit Skinner's is better than mine, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, Booger McFarland. That's a real Great name. name. Booger. Um, and I'll tell you why he, you know, whatever he's paid to make takes and I respect that. Um, but his take was, I think the bears get exposed. Uh, Nagy has done a great job of scheming up offense and Mitch has played well within the system, but I think the Rams are the best team in football. I'd be shocked if they don't win in Chicago. Hey, booger boy. He's shocked. Shut up. <laughs> um, bears exposed them. They showed the whole world that Jared Goff is a little princess. Yeah, he's a little princess. Jared Goff might princess and does not. He likes his little coat and hand warmers and L.A. weather, which is fine, but that's not going to fly in uh, Chicago in December. So, uh, Booger McFarlane, you're my dingus of the week. All righty. Those are two pretty good nominations. Mine might carry a little less weight just because they're not no, uh, not, not going to be a public figure or known uh, across the uh, the bandwidth of our listeners. But I'm going to go with Jerry's cousin, John. Um, I'll leave the last name out just so he has some anonymity because he might take some heat for this one. Um, he had the audacity this afternoon to complain or not complain, just kind of bring up a, an opinion that he had and say that the bears consistently underachieve because they don't bring in any free agents and they have and, a, they're in the top market. And, yeah. And it was all because of the, the market in Chicago, they should be able to attract better free agents. And he completely he talking about the bulls. No, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, he, he got confused. He got confused. Which, you know, for several years there, when they were really bad, they were never really looking to bring in free agents because it would have been a waste of money. Uh, but when we brought up the fact that the, the Bears had probably the best offseason of any team and that if the season ended today, Ryan Pace would be exec of the year. Uh, he kind of got himself twisted up into a bit of, into a bit of a pretzel, didn't really know where to go. Um, but he, he was you know, really harping on the fact that the Bears don't get you know, quality free agents. So I guess he's just continually going to continue to overlook the Allen Robinsons, the Trey Burtons of the world. Akeem Hicks. Akeem Hicks, guys like that, Prince of Mukamara. Um, just must not be high quality enough for him because the Packers <laughs> are bringing in some real high quality studs. Um, but for that, he is a dingus of the week. Uh, so that rounds the three of them out. We have John, <laughs> we have John, Jerry's cousin. We have the Bulls ownership and we have Booger McFarland. We will uh, throw that up on the Twitter for the, uh, the weekly vote and see what you guys think. That's a good spread. That's a really good spread. It's, uh, covering, covering a wide array of dingai for the week. So. <laughs> Uh, we can finish on a bit more of a positive note with the Earn Your Stripes, uh, somebody who had a solid performance um, or outing this week or just did something that uh, kind of caught your attention on a positive note. We'll go with Jerry this time around to lead us off. Um, Dre, you kind of just, just mentioned him, and I just can't get over it, how he's turned everything around here with his moves. I mean, I can't think of a bad move he's made um, in my – Earn stripes of the week goes to Ryan Pace. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about him um, in sports media, which is fine. He doesn't want to be talked about. He wants yeah. people to talk about. If you're being talked about as a GM, right. it's you're the GM of the Bulls. Exactly. That, that's a very good point. And so him saying low and every single move he's made has worked. And football is back in Chicago, and I love it. And he is a huge, if not the biggest reason that that's the case. I like that one for sure. He, he, you know, had a rough stretch at the beginning with the John Fox hire, uh, but like we do with Mitchell, we'll kind of throw those years out as irrelevant. Uh, Skinner, what do you got for your earn your stripes? Um, I'm going to go with the guy that Ryan Pace was able to retain this year and is, in my opinion, the main reason that the Bears are so good this year, and that's going to be Vic Fangio. Oh, the evil genius. Um, I think what's cool about him, and I was kind of thinking about this uh, earlier today, is he's so old old school, but he lets them play with this, like, new swag style yep. um, and lets, lets them kind of get loose and celebrate when they get interceptions and make big plays. And I think that's cool how he's able to adapt to that but keep them so disciplined at the same time. And um, you got a bunch of dogs out there, and I think 
that can test to what Vic has instilled over the last two years and then adding guys like Eddie Jackson in the draft and Cleo Mack and bringing in Hakeem Hicks a couple years ago. I mean, he's just instilled this uh, mentality and adjusted and adapted to new age football as well. And he, I think he earned his stripes a while ago, but we got to give him some love now. I agree. Um, I, I really love the, the point you made about, you know, he has this very hardcore, like stringent philosophy and kind of uh, game plan that he throws out there week in and week out. But he also lets them just kind of be themselves out there and everybody's having fun. Um, another thing that I will take uh, ownership to and being wrong is early on in the year, I had some negative opinions on the celebrations for interceptions, especially the ones that didn't end up in touchdowns. Um, but you know, the, the more they do it and the, the more creative that they seem to get every week, it is definitely fun to watch. So I, I do find myself enjoying that as well. Um, one, one last thing that we can touch on that before I round out with, uh, my nominee is I'm just really hoping that he doesn't go and take a head coaching job somewhere. I hope that he ends up being kind of the victim of teams wanting the new young offensive minded head coach, because it would be a real shame if he ended up leaving and, uh, not being a part of the uh, leadership of the defense. Obviously, money talks, but I feel like Vic Fangio would hate being a head coach and having to answer all the questions, and having to be super, you know, PC, and that you can't be like a total a total dick. The only person who get away, gets away with it is Bill Belichick. Um, but you see how Nagy talks with media and people, and he's very personal. I, Vic Fangio is not that guy. And I just see that, you know, that, that's what he tries thing. to stay true to that and, and right. sticks around as the, the leaders of the monsters. So yeah. we'll have to see. Cause my, my nightmare that I would start to have here is if he starts to consider jobs is that he ends up in green Bay, but mm. I don't even want really to get into that yet. Nope. <laughs> um, so I will go and round out the nominees for the week. And I'm going to go with something I mentioned a little earlier as well. Um, but it's the, the fan base as a whole, uh, specifically the crowd that was there at soldier field last night. Uh, it was kind of a game time decision that I was there with a few coworkers of mine, bought some tickets at the last minute, but it was an absolute madhouse. I, I don't think I did not sit down for a single snap. Um, it, it really had kind of like the college feel like just a student section of the entire stadium uh, place was jam packed. Never, never a, a dull or quiet moment. So the, uh, the city of Chicago is definitely paying attention. The Bears have earned their attention, and now we just got to see if they can uh, round out the season here, at least the regular season, and then see where the playoffs will take them. So the three nominees we have are the Bears fan base for specifically Sunday night's performance and how loud and uh, energized they were. We have Vic Fangio as well as Ryan Pace. So we'll throw that up there for the vote as well. Um, other than that, I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts on a national stage or anything coming up. We have the uh, college football playoff to look forward to, so I'm sure we'll touch on that in future weeks. But anything you guys have in terms of just some final closing thoughts? Um, the Bulls are terrible. <laughs> oh, always always room to throw that in there one or two more times. And they just blew that lead, and I think they lost by close to 20. One thing I do want to touch on, and call me biased. And Skinner, I'd like, I haven't talked to you about this, so I want to hear your take on this. Okay. So um, I wish I had it up in front of me. Um, I, the SEC bias and Georgia and Michigan. Georgia has lost to, was it Florida or LSU? LSU, I think. LSU oh, by two. 20. I'll say LSU by 20, and they lost to Bama, obviously, by seven. Michigan lost to um, Ohio State by, I think, 24, and Notre Dame by 7. And the narrative is that Georgia was a potential playoff team, and, you know, they should have been in, they earned a way in, blah, 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 blah. But Michigan was embarrassed. They should be embarrassed of, like, how they got beat at Ohio State. And, you know, they, they shouldn't even be considered. And I'm not, I am not saying Michigan should be in the playoff. They should, they should not be in the playoff. That's from Georgia. But the, it's crazy how the narrative is so different, but their records and strength of losses are so similar. And strength of schedule are pretty similar, too. Um, so I don't know if, you, if there's any thoughts on that. I, I think the SEC is the best conference overall, but still very overrated, if that makes any sense. So you're saying 
you're saying SEC is overrated, or you're saying Michigan doesn't deserve the grief? I'm saying no, no, no. What I'm saying is that the narrative is so different towards the SEC, where it's like Michigan got embarrassed. They, you know, Jim Harbaugh can't pull it out. Blah blah blah. Where they have, if you stack them up, it's very similar to Georgia. And it was, and it was all positive. And it's Georgia should be in the, they should be in the playoff talks. They should be the fourth team. Them or Oklahoma, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, they're the same. They have the same strength schedule and losses right, and wins right. Michigan does. But yeah, the I narrative is completely different. I think, I think that the grief that they're getting and why it's focused on the embarrassing part is uh, has a lot to do with Harbaugh and his name and the fact that he can't beat Ohio State and he's got to figure out how to do it. And they're gonna kind of get that grief until he figures out how to beat Ohio State and make right. make the playoff. Yeah. I, and I and I agree that the SEC gets way more love than the Big Ten, and the losses are similar. But I think a lot of that stems from just the limelight that Harbaugh gets. Yeah, and that could be it too. I think that makes a lot of sense because if you think about the fact that. Just his record in the couple of rivalry games, the Ohio State and then the Michigan State game. Like, the Ohio State game every year is their biggest game. You could consider it, like, depending on where it falls on the schedule, you could consider that even kind of a a first round of the playoff, depending on how each team is on any given year. And the fact that he gets blown out in those games or it's just not as competitive as it should be or that they can't find a way to win it, maybe it's unfair that – that one team gets that, uh, you know, kind of limelight shown on one game. But I think that might be part of it is that it's the biggest game on their calendar. And if they're not rising to the occasion, the thought might be if they end up in the playoff, are they going to do that again? Which goes to the TV ratings and what's going to be the best show and make the most money, which I don't think should play a part in it, but I think it does. So I think that could, I think that could be part of the issue there. Yeah, what Michigan's facing at this point. Like, why is why is Georgia's twenty point loss to LSU that much better than Michigan's twenty four point loss to Ohio State? I mean, Ohio State obviously is much better, in my opinion, than LSU. But yeah, it's what okay, brush under the rug. You know, they're SEC powerhouse. Think about putting them in the playoff. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just the, the SEC schedule the gauntlet they run through every year people look at that even if on a given year maybe they aren't as strong as they have been which i don't i'm not sure if that is or isn't the case this year um but i think that's kind of just the the easy kind of fallback approach to it is oh well the sec is going to be stronger more often than not so that's just going to be what the conversation falls towards Yeah. So, other than that, I don't really have anything else to kind of finish with other than because we brought it up, Notre Dame did make the playoffs. So, we'll be, uh, we'll be looking to see how they can, uh, they can hold their own against the Clemson Tigers. So, uh, that's pretty much all we have for the week. Uh, we will get this out there to you as soon as we can. I'm still trying to figure out the best way to edit things, but uh, we'll get it out to you guys as soon as we can. And we will be back at it next week, hopefully talking about the NFC North champion Chicago Bears. Bears. See you. Go Bears.